I have a powerful mouth. It's, you know, I... <laughs> and on that note, welcome to Sanity Check, a podcast devoted to staying informed and sane in the time of Trump. I'm Ben, and I'm joined tonight by Andrew. That's Hi, me. Andrew. Uh, we are recording on the evening of Thursday, March 29th, 2018. Today is day 433 of the resistance. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes at the Google Play Store or at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. Um, so, uh, as we were discussing before we uh, actually started recording, relatively speaking, it was a pretty quiet week. Yeah, fairly, you know, mercifully quiet. Yeah, um, but I. That being said, a quiet week in Trump world still has a lot of stuff happen. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, I I think this is something that came out today, which I thought in the long run could be one of the more important things that happened last week. Um, um, did you read about how uh, the New York Times is reporting that uh, John Dowd, the now former lead lawyer for Trump, apparently discussed uh, pardon deals with Mike Flynn and Paul Manafort at the very least? I did see that. It's It's interesting. I mean, they've been talking about that since the earliest times of us even thinking about it, that, that that would be under discussion. I guess it's sort of interesting because it's not clear, it's not clear where that line of inquiry goes. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen some diverging opinions on that today. I mean, this is obviously quite new, uh, a new, new development. It's unclear as to whether that could legally constitute obstruction of justice, because the president certainly is allowed to pardon whoever he or she wants to. Um, and so it's, it, it was, it was also clearly not a power that was ever intended for the president to use to uh, protect himself and his family but it's not written into the constitution that way, right? Right, and it's all like all of this pardon territory is basically untested legally. So it, like if anything happens, it's going to be a lot of Supreme Court level yeah, decisions I mean, that have to at, still have to happen. At the very least, it certainly still fits a shady pattern of behavior. It certainly doesn't not imply shady behavior. It, I think that if what Mueller is trying to do is build a case for conspiracy, it could probably be used as yet another data point in uh, in that you know conspiracy framework. Right. Uh, the other thing that's sort of interesting to me that I haven't really seen talked about, maybe this is on me, but um, is that. Trump tries to make a deal out of everything that that he's that he does. So so what's what's the deal? Is he like holding out? Is he like, hey, I'll give you this pardon, but what's in it for? What's in it for Donald? What it's in you it know? for Donald is, is there... them, not, them not cooperating with Mueller. Sure, but then he should be like falling all over himself to do it, right? Like what? Well, because he knows that um, if he pardons them just outright, it makes him look really guilty so he he's probably been informed by his lawyers that it would be better to pardon them down the line oh is he 
Is he worried about looking guilty? No, but his lawyers are. <laughs> well, <laughs> his which lawyers, ones he has left? His lawyers who are left need to maybe like look around a little yeah, bit. It, it's it's hilarious. I think we had a um a, a kind of a repeat. Remember when um when the Mooch came in for his um Titanic week as his uh, fifteen seconds director, of him, yeah. Um, that that caused the the quitting of uh, Sean Spicer and the ouster of um, Reince Priebus and so on. Uh, all was a direct result of that. And then the Mooch got fired himself, but those guys had already quit. So right, um, <laughs> we had we had a little bit of a repeat of that. I think in the John Dowd situation because he quit because uh, Trump announced that he was hiring these Fox News talking head lawyers, uh, and then he didn't yeah. end up hiring them because well, they, they didn't had... Up, they didn't end up taking him. It's Well, that deal didn't end up happening because <laughs> sure. it, turned, it turned out that they were already representing... Um, his opponents. Well, his not necessarily or not his, his opponents, but, but like, Mark Corallo, his, yeah. the former spokesman for his legal team who alleges that uh, he quit because he was concerned that Trump was committing obstruction of justice. Um, and now Trump can't get any lawyers and his new like lead personal lawyer is uh, this like nobody lawyer from outside of DC, which is not to say that you have to, you can only be a good lawyer if you're at one of these white shoe firms in, in DC, but he's like, this guy who has no politi particular political experience, um, n certainly not, no big-time experience related to any of the stuff that Trump's dealing with, um, and he's like a he's a he's like a medieval history professor. It's all it's a very confusing. I mean, aren't we looking to reinstitute feudalism? That's true. Essentially, so like that's. Seems he, like a good guy uh, to have. I mean, he must really not be able to get anyone to take him on as a client. God, would you take him on? There was actually no. a, there was an there was an ad on Craigslist. Like, a, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> difficult to difficult client. Like, may not doesn't understand what he's up <laughs> yeah. against. Yeah, may not listen to direction. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 a little bit weird though that you've got um, a president who is in the most legal jeopardy, certainly since Bill Clinton, um, and arguably since Nixon. And at this point, he has basically one personal lawyer, Jay Sekulow, who is more like a TV spokesman type. And he's yeah. got one lawyer who works technically for the White House, Ty Cobb, who is the person who interfaces between the White House and the special counsel's office. And that's basically his entire legal team. Um, that's a little bit crazy. That is good. So Cohen quit. He, no, he, Cohen... He... I mean, Trump has lots of lawyers, right? I mean, he, he's <laughs> sure. got Mark Kazowitz and I mean, But Cohen is a lawyer, but he doesn't really... He's not going into court and arguing civil suits on behalf of Trump. He's like Trump's fixer. Right. Right. So who just happens to be a lawyer. And I don't even know what Mark Kazowitz does. 
um, grandstand. Um, but like none none of those people are remotely qualified to have anything to do with the uh, investigation, and so that, that's why, despite Trump's best efforts, they're not involved. Um, so in other big happenings we had over the weekend, um, uh, the extremely uh, large, even larger than I expected, um, March for Our Lives, organized than by... The, uh, than the inauguration crowd, I, I read. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> um, organized by um, young people. Good for them. Um, My mom could not be more thrilled to have student leaders um, to being activists in, in this yeah, country. Yeah, I mean, that's it's awesome. Been a, it's been a really long time, and it's like they're... They're the people who are going to live here the longest. Yep. Um, they, they should be active and uh, making their opinions known, you know, and driving what and ab- the country needs to be. More power to them, all respect to them, et cetera, et cetera. I, I always feel a need to, to add that while this takes absolutely nothing away from them in any way, that... I would like to see some more faces of color up there um, and uh, being heard about issues that are specific to people of color. Um, you know, we've, we've had a couple more police shootings of unarmed black men in the last couple of weeks, and I don't think they've been getting nearly enough attention. I, um, I totally agree. And I, I guess I'm not sure exactly how you're meaning that but i i'm prepared to put that on the media as much as i'm prepared to put it on the young people oh i'm not putting it on the young people that's not okay okay yeah no definitely no i i'm I'm putting it almost entirely on the media i'm saying that it the media is much more willing to pay lots of attention to and say oh what wonderful young people to a bunch of um uh, well-spoken upper middle class white kids who are doing a fantastic job who are like blowing my mind with their yeah well-spokenness I mean, and amazing. i mean they're doing a fantastic job i mean and that cannot be taken away nor should it be taken away from them um but i'm sure that there are uh equally well-spoken charismatic well uh thoughtful um young uh black and Hispanic men and women who could be talking about Black Lives Matter and um, and many of the same issues that the kids from Parkland and, and so on are talking about as well. And that should be happening also. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but it is, it's really impressive how this is the first thing, I think basically, really in our lifetime, um, which has put any apparent fear into the NRA and the gun lobby. It's really, it's amazing how quickly and harshly politicians and talking heads have been just viciously attacking a bunch of teenagers who were shot at for no reason. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. And we should note this is exclusively the crazy right wing media. Yeah, right. And it's not. It's not like the the Today Show is not doing it. <laughs> no, it's it, like if you were to compile a list of people you suspected might take a whole bunch of money from the NRA, that would be that list. Or who are in 
whose livelihoods depend on the places like the NRA and people who support them. I mean, I, I'm not sure if the NRA is directly funding Tucker Carlson, but um, sure. But they, yeah. uh, we learned that they have the money for it. Yes, um, and in fact, some of that money may be coming. F and f well, we know that in fact that some of that money is coming from foreign sources. We do, and that the NRA has some interesting accounting practices, um, which the sort kind of that you might um, argue our money laundering, our money laundering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly that make it very difficult to tell when they spend money where that money came from. Um, or perhaps it leads you to know exactly where that money yes. came from. Yes. Because um, as our listeners are, I'm sure, aware, it is not legal to use foreign money in uh, domestic lobbying or as uh, campaign contributions, as it shouldn't be. As it shouldn't be. Um, so we had, I think, the best example of the pressure that we saw um, uh, we witnessed sort of I don't know if it's the denouement exactly but the next phase we witnessed today was the, the incredibly odious Laura Ingram um, who what did she say about um, she, she made fun of the, she made uh, fun of one of the one, one of, of the, the kids, kids uh, for, for not getting into the colleges he wanted to get into yeah that's right because that because everyone gets into college, the colleges don't have get, like five percent acceptance. Right, rate. college getting into college is really easy. Uh, you don't, yeah. Um, and uh, appropriately, a, a lot of people were like, "What the fuck is wrong with you, Laura Ingram? Why are you making fun of this kid who just got shot at?" And, and she started losing sponsors, which is yeah totally correct and amazingly she actually apologized th this afternoon uh, which, i think i think which you... i'm sort of i think that's like the first person to 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 maybe be like uh yeah like i you know i i, I say the things but like well it, it's certainly the know. only time i can ever remember laura ingram apologizing for anything herself <laughs> sure but it's the first time i've heard anybody apologize in the media about anything in the last Two years. I mean, it's obviously connected to the losing of sponsors, uh, sure. which which has continued. I will note, post apology. Um, she did do those things. Yeah. Um, and I'm you know I'm sure she'll be fine. I'm not too worried about her. But um, she got into college after all. It's it's interesting that, I mean, you know, you you don't you certainly don't see Republican politicians condemning her or. I mean, they're they've been not very apparent over the last couple of weeks. They've like kind of been hiding under their beds, it seems. Well, Ryan's been leaking stories about retiring, and uh, yeah, but I mean, Connell's just sort of like twiddling his thumbs and hoping some things will go away. I guess they've I really know. been going out of their way to just hope that things blow over and they don't have to say anything about anything. Um, but they they certainly haven't been saying anything supportive about the Parkland kids and all and the million plus people many of them young people who uh, marched over the uh, the weekend um, did you see that for the first time in something like 30 years the NRA has a net negative public image now that is amazing I did not see that 
Yeah. Um, I think that's actually kind of a big deal. It, it only took like 8,000 dead children to get there and like decades of this. Yeah, and the environment that we're in with Trump um, and so on. I mean, you, you, one just has to hope that that we've reached some kind of breaking point and we can't explain exactly why. I mean, it clearly has something to do with the, uh, the reaction of the specific kids at this Parkland school. Um, but we've reached a breaking point and there will just be a tipping over of public opinion on gun control. Um, the way it seemed to happen very quickly with same-sex marriage. Um, this is it's this is a th like a lot of things have spilled over and had serious repercussions since Trump. Like yeah, I mean polarized the, with, everything. With the, to the, the Me Too times maximum. up. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wonder how about... like uh, many of these things seem to be sort of coalescing around some sort of regulation or some sort of action firings or whatever i wonder if if this can become and by this i mean the nra's uh money laundering um not not just in legal repercussions for them which would be great but uh campaign finance reform which seems like a kind of thing that you might like yeah. take this and run with i know? mean i i don't feel very optimistic about that i um, don't either but like it's just because I, of the supreme court but the more times it's said the more people will think about it. Yeah. I mean, Citizens United was a devastating blow against that, and that's not getting reversed anytime soon with Neil Gorsuch on the court. Um, I mean, we have to hope that we, we, we've got some really big gerrymandering cases now, too, that the Supreme Court has heard. Um, so those will be the next two giant um, decisions that they make. Um, presumably they'll be aligned the same way on those yeah. on those two cases. One of them involves um, the entire state of Wisconsin, and the other one, I think, is in Maryland um, in one congressional district. So they're, they're slightly different in that regard they're in, in terms of being local versus statewide. Um, but they both revolve around whether or not it's constitutional to gerrymander for uh, partisan reasons. Um, obviously... You and I do not believe that that is okay. Indeed. Um, we did have a, a, some good news in that regard, uh, in the sense that Scott Walker has finally given up on his attempt to not hold special elections for the Wisconsin state legislature. Well, he did finally get ordered by a judge that he must do it. So well, he had been ordered that. already. <laughs> uh, you know, he... he uh, ah, it's all crazy so unfortunately not everything was um so so far we've talked about things that were either comical in the sense of trump's lawyers or pretty good news in the in the sense of the civic engagement from young people but we had some not so great stuff happen as well i think the um the biggest one which is not getting nearly enough attention paid to it was um the uh, success by Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, to um, to insert into the upcoming 2020 census a question um, asking people whether or not they are U.S. citizens. Yeah, I this I it should definitely get more attention than it's getting. But 
uh, a coalition of states have already sued to not do this. Yes, this is not a done deal. Um, it's it's in the document right now, but it's not. It's two years from 2020, and there, as you say, there there's going to be a lot of legal challenge. Absolutely. Um, to it. Um, so, just for people who uh, may not have be familiar with this, um, the the reason that this is a big deal is that um, the census is supposed to count everybody who is living in the United States, um, citizen or um, not citizen, um, and it does not collect you know personal data. And so, um, in theory, uh, people who are in the country, um, you know, quote unquote, illegally, um, so undocumented immigrants should be able to respond to the census, and that is the data that should be used to draw up legislative districts, um, and not just legislative districts, but um, needs for services, yes, um, and uh, funding levels for things that for, that need funding. Almost all of which happen to be uh, like Democrat-leaning areas, um, which need. Uh, urban which need well, extra and, services but, and, but by uh, definition those services are needed by people who need them right yeah so, so <laughs> we we should we should have correct data so that if we have responsible government they can apportion resources correctly um yep and of course with the citizenship question you're going to have a lot of undocumented immigrants who are going to be frightened to fill out the census at all Understandably, I would be, uh, and that will skew the data, and it will skew the data in a way that, uh, as it currently stands, is very advantageous for the Republicans who have been making a really concerted effort, especially since 2010, um, to uh, use this data to their electoral advantage, um, which is going to be a big big deal in the run-up to the 2018 midterms. So we have to really hope that these legal challenges um, go our way, and um, we should be paying a lot of attention to that. Yeah, um, totally. So a few other things. So there was a bit of a kerfuffle when uh, the retired Supreme Court Justice John Paul Stevens um, wrote an op-ed in was it the times or the washington post uh, one or the other yeah i don't remember um where he just straight up said that the second amendment should be abolished um now don't get me wrong i love john paul stevens uh he was uh, he's he was one of my favorite supreme court justices um a terrific story he was nominated to the court by gerald ford a republican um, and then, and he was considered to be a moderately conservative justice, and uh, and then he got to the Supreme Court, and he turned into the most liberal justice on the bench. Um, and as he said, uh, his personal opinions on things had no place in his uh, in his decision making, um, and he retired because he thought his health was failing, and it turned out it was not. <laughs> um, and he says now that he wishes that he that he hadn't, um, but at least as a retired justice, he can speak his mind. And I, of course, I, I don't disagree with him. I would I'd be fine with abolishing the Second Amendment. But my concern uh, about 
what he did is that I feel like it plays right into Republican politicians and right-wing media's hands to be able to say, look... They um, really are coming to take our guns. Right. The, this, this liberal retired member of the Supreme Court, who they'll probably lie and say was appointed by Obama or a Democrat, um, uh, right, wants to abolish the Second Amendment and take away your guns. Um, ignoring the fact that that's not actually what he said. You know, he said he wanted to abolish the Second Amendment. Um, he didn't say that all guns should be completely illegal. Um, there's no reason that you couldn't abolish the Second Amendment and also then have some sort of legislative regulatory solution um, or compromise, if you will, um, to to guns. Sure. Which is basically the way Australia did it. Um, I say I, I feel like he gave propaganda ammunition to uh, to the right wing, even though I agree with him. So I, I I wish that he hadn't done it. He was just the wrong person to say it. Yeah. Yeah, um, particularly in a yeah. in a place where um, it's not happening. Right. <laughs> um, did you watch the much anticipated sixty minutes interview with Stormy Daniels? I did not. I, I gather I'm the only one that didn't watch. Yeah, it, it was pretty boring. Um, <laughs> from, it was still sixty minutes. So, well, from what I gather. Uh, she said some interesting things, but they were cut out of the interview because CBS's huh. lawyers were <laughs> very concerned about yeah. liability right. issues um, right. and Trump going after them and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I'll say I, I enjoy her lawyer. <laughs> I mean, this you gotta guy, be a certain kind of guy to be a. Um, yeah, he is know. a real slime ball, um, but he's uh, he's our slime ball, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, he he was actually a, a Democratic operative about twenty years ago um, huh. as a very young man, a uh, young lawyer, um, and then he got out of politics, and I don't really know what he's been doing since, um, but he's he's being extremely aggressive and going on a huge media tour and going after Trump personally and he's suing Trump he's suing Michael Cohen for defamation um, he, he's saying that he wants to depose the president under oath and I it, I mean it was it was very noticeable to me that Trump did not tweet about the Stormy Daniels interview he's tweeted about everything else as, as Stephen that. Colbert said, um, the only two people who he has not attacked on Twitter are Vladimir Putin and Stormy Daniels. <laughs> and wh yeah. wh what is the commonality there? What indeed? People yeah. who have him. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, I, I really have no idea what the outcome of the whole Stormy Daniels affair could be because I I don't think that his diehards really care. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think Michael Cohen could be in some, well, definitely in trouble with the New York Bar Association. Yeah, um, and I, it, it's it seems conceivable. Um, on sixty minutes, they they talked with some, uh, people, some retired lawyers from the FEC, the uh, Federal Election Commission, who said that. 
based on what they saw, um, it seems quite likely to them that there was a violation of campaign contribution law um, with the $130,000 payoff, which is, that's a felony. I mean, it's not, it's not a small deal. That's, that's the same. It's, it's, it's basically the same crime that uh, former uh, vice presidential and presidential candidate, John Edwards uh, went to trial over. He, he ended up being acquitted, but he, he went to trial and, uh, he could have gone to prison for quite a long time for paying off um, uh, a woman to not talk to the National Enquirer about having their love child. And mm. he did that. He made that payoff like a year or two before the 2008 election, whereas Trump made the $130,000 payoff like 10 days before the election. <laughs> yeah. So. I think legally it's not difficult to argue that what Trump did is a more significant crime. Right. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to see how that, that goes. Um, we had uh, uh, in, in the continuing saga of white house exodus, we had uh, David Shulkin is out at uh, secretary of the VA today. Um, totally voluntarily. Oh, I'm very sorry. much so. Very much so. Um, uh, he's already going on a media tour himself to defend himself. Um, <laughs> uh, he is being at, at least nominally replaced with uh, by by Admiral Ronnie Jackson, who is the uh, the White House physician. Um, I've seen him a lot referred to today erroneously as Trump's personal physician. Um, the the guy who said he was the most fit doctor ever in the history of America, right? Uh, president, I mean. Right. That, right, that is not accurate. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie Jackson, until today, was an active serving member of the U.S. Navy and a an admiral, um, a rear admiral to be specific, and uh, is worked for, at, at the White House um, as the White House doctor. He was also the White House doctor for President Obama, um, and is widely respected and loved by. Uh, people who know him, uh, I'm not sure how that all of that makes him qualified to run the VA to be to be an administrator at the highest right. Highest I mean, the, level, the, yeah. the VA is certainly in large part a um, medically oriented entity. I mean, by, certainly the biggest thing they do is provide healthcare to to our veterans, but uh, that. That's a bureaucratic managerial situation, as you say. Um, you know, being a, a kick-ass physician, as I'm sure Ronnie Jackson is, does not necessarily make you equipped to uh, operate an apparatus the size of the VA. Right. So, I mean, at least, at least by all accounts, he's a good guy. But I mean, I'm, I'm not sure this is a good idea. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to bring up, what which I thought was a big deal, was something that I think happened yesterday, um, where a uh, Maryland court, federal court, um, uh, dismissed a uh, an appeal um, from the uh, Trump campaign to throw out a uh, lawsuit um, involving emoluments 
and um, Trump Hotel properties in D.C. So. Oh, I did read about that. So the 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 takeaway there is that um, you're not if you're working in the federal government, you're not supposed to be able to profit off of foreign or state government money because that could be considered to be a bribe, right? But it's like pretty easy, you would think, to consider yeah, it, that a bribe. It's not, it's not difficult to imagine why that would be problematic. So Trump has this gigantic hotel in Washington, D.C. now, um, uh, which used to be this beautiful building, and then he ruined it, but ignoring that for a minute. <laughs> um, and because he didn't actually divest himself from any of his businesses, uh, he's continuing to make all of the profits off of this hotel. And naturally, a lot of foreign governments, in order to try to curry favor with him, are having their diplomats stay there. Um, and yep. um, uh, apparently some uh, state governments with more conservative um, uh, governors and whatnot have been doing uh, similar stuff, and um, that is not legal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this Maryland court um, seems to at least agree with the premise of that and is allowing um, this, uh, this lawsuit um, alleging that Trump is violating um, the law to, uh, to move forward, which... Literal corruption, just like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's the yes. textbook, that's what corruption is. Yes. Yeah. And it should be, I mean, I guess Mueller could use it as a tiny little piece of his conspiracy <laughs> as well. Right, just, I mean, but that's like... I don't know. That's that's like different, and in addition to the conspiracy, like any conspiracy, yeah. Because that's like, it's just right out there. It's not hidden at all. So what 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 else have we left out? We kicked sixty Russian spies out of the country from Seattle, yeah. which is sort of shocking. Um, it was surprising that we actually did it. I I had heard that that it would be nice if we could have great relationships with Russia. Except that it turns out they just go to people's countries and kill them there. Yeah, and like, and are very that's open not really about a it. great way to do things. No. So they in turn kicked sixty of our diplomats slash spies out of, um, I think it was Saint Petersburg uh, today, and shut down our um, our uh, whatever. It's not the embassy; it's the consulate. That um, seems fine. No, oh, it's usual. That's the usual thing. That yeah. happens. I, I, I'm curious to know how they got this past Trump. Yeah, seriously. Um, maybe he's so just hot and bothered over everything else that he he can't be bothered to pay attention to, to even that. Or England pressured him in some way. I or admit, maybe. Um, maybe it's because I, I think Hope Hicks is finishing up right around now yeah and so apparently there's a certain amount of chaos at the white house oh chaos at the I, white house i know hardly believable so i, I don't know if <laughs> maybe the memo didn't get to him um and the her font was too small and he yeah. just he just couldn't handle it well i'm not sure he can read she drew would drop a nice picture for him on his toast yeah, she will be missed yeah on his toast <laughs> 
she would cut his pancakes into an infogram of uh, the presidential daily briefing. That would be an amazing Instagram. I would, I would watch the crap out of that. Yeah. Um, and probably most importantly today was opening day in yes. Major League Baseball. So, yes. um, as our and... long national nightmare continues, we now at least have something good to distract us. A new long national nightmare of me watching my fantasy team get obliterated <laughs> day after day. Well, Andrew, you're also a Mets fan, so um, that doesn't it help. Is, it is my curse that I must bear. So am I Am I like a, a, a Republican of baseball fans by, by being a Yankees fan? I would argue that yes. Yes, you are. That's harsh. <laughs> I, think that's a, I think that's a very harsh judgment on your part. Maybe, but they're like what? What team could be more conservative than the Yankees? Um, there, are, there. I think there are teams that are a lot more unlikable than the Yankees. <laughs> That's a different question, though. Boston, uh, Boston votes uh, votes Democrat. <laughs> they do, but they're mo- but the Red Sox are extremely unlikable. <laughs> the Marlins are unlikable. That's true. I mean, there's definitely like the Dodgers. There's definitely like teams in texas but yeah but even that they're more like they're not as conservative as the yankees their owners are their owners are more yeah well that's uh true <laughs> i don't want to think about what uh the Wilpons are voting for oh, or doing right now Ugh. well they might not be thinking too hard about it either since incompetence seems to be the thing they're best at they do love it. Yeah, they love it. They are they're about as um, competent as most of Trump's cabinet. Oof! Is he going to be the ne- like a political appointee? It would be uh, good for the Mets, I probably. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if they're open with their politics or not. Yeah, but I, I would I would expect them to be Trump supporters just based on the way they run the Mets. So <sighs> harsh, um, but true. But uh, it was a good opening day for the Yankees and the Mets. So um, it was wins all around. So excellent uh, offense. We'll we'll hope that that continues, and we'll be we'll be discussing that in great detail um, every week from now on. <laughs> in our series <laughs> of four-hour baseball specials. Yeah, we'll be breaking down uh, inning by inning, pitch by pitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thanks for listening to Sandy Check. Make sure to join us again next week. And if you liked what you heard, you can subscribe at iTunes, at the Google Play Store, or at SanityCheckPod.com. And in the meantime, keep resisting and persisting, and root for Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. And remember, you can subscribe whether you liked it or not. That's true. You don't have to like it. We do like subscribers. We need, we're need. we trying to get to double digits. <laughs> All, right, All right, see you guys next week. <laughs>